Father, we just want to say thank you so much for the opportunity to come. And God, I know I am a little more conscious of how nice it is to be at church rather than what could be the alternative. Lord, we just thank you for this time together. And um, and Lord, the truth is we, we always ask for you to come and for your spirit to be here and to move and work among us. But God, if, if we as individuals don't surrender ourselves and open up our hearts to you, God, then that's not going to happen. And Lord, for anybody in this room right now, if they came this morning and they're not willing to open themselves up to you, they're wasting their time. There's no reason for you to be here. But Father, I pray that whether it was our intention or not, that, that if we're here, we're here for about 30, 40 more minutes. And because time is so valuable and for us not to waste it, I pray that every person in this room will say, God, I just want to open up my heart to you today. I want to let you come in. Lord, I want you to work and move, but more importantly, I know that I need you to work and move. And Jesus, I just want to surrender myself to you. And God, as we come together, we can't worship you as a congregation if we're not willing to do it in, as individuals. Well, we say it all the time that our worship as individuals is what fuels our worship as a church. You can't just turn the switch on and off when you walk in these doors and when you walk back out. There's something that needs to happen all the time. Jesus, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Pray that you'd use your word to convict us, to help us grow, to commit our lives to you more and more. And Father, as we always do, we pray for our brothers and sisters who aren't able to be here today. <clears throat> Father, I pray for Mr. Joan, I mean Miss Joan and Mr. Quay. God, we ask that you would touch them as they've had a really hard time the past several weeks. We pray for Miss Helen, Miss Pat, Pastor Dan, Pastor Gary, and Miss Magdalene. Lord, I know there's more, but God, we just ask that you would touch them. Be with Miss Linda Thompson. Lord, touch all of our people. Lord, our church is nothing without our people. I pray, Father God, that you would remind us of that. Remind us that if we are not surrendered, if we're not worshiping you in our lives, then we're not worshiping you in services. So God, help us to be open and obedient and submissive to you this morning. And I pray in the next few moments that you would reveal something new to us. God, that you would help us to grow and Lord, speak to us in a way we've never been spoken to before. Not because of me, but because you're the one that's doing it. God, you're the one that's touching people's hearts. Jesus, we love you today. We thank you so much for everything. And we ask all this in your precious and holy name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated.
Well, first of all, I do want to thank everyone for your prayers, the calls, the texts, the cards. Uh, I just cannot explain how encouraging it's been uh, to not feel like, you know, people have forgotten about you. And as, you know, as being a pastor and being up front, it's easy and I appreciate it. I'm very thankful because it meant a lot because I felt pretty bad the past several weeks and I felt the best I felt in about six weeks. So thank you for praying. Um, but I just want to remind you guys, do that good of a job for everybody. <laughs> There's a lot of people who aren't able to be here. There's been a lot of sickness here lately, a lot of people with some chronic health issues. Make sure you're sending text and cards and calls their way as well as uh, you know a lot of times if you if you're ever confined to your home you feel like if uh, you wonder if people are thinking about you if they're moving on so make sure you remember uh, to pray for those people and remember them we're talking about fasting and prayer and uh, it's a very interesting concept I know last week Pastor Timmy thankfully filled in for me and uh, he talked about how, uh, you know, the need for fasting and prayer during having some really great spiritual experiences. Well, today we're talking about direction. You know, I, I think one of the greatest things that we struggle with as people is just wondering what we should and shouldn't do, wondering what decision to make, looking for answers for <clears throat> different situations and circumstances in our life. And... That happens all throughout life. I don't think it ever changes. You know, when I was in youth ministry, one of the biggest things I would talk with those teenagers about was future stuff. Like they would always say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what college I'm supposed to go to. I don't know what I'm supposed to base my career off of. And there's a lot of weight on young people making those decisions because literally you're forming the next 30 to 40 to 50 years based off of a decision that you're going to make as a 17 or 18 year old, which I don't know how many of you would be willing to put 40 or 50 years worth of decisions on many 17 or 18 year olds, but that's what falls on them as individuals. And it's really hard. And so I can remember teenagers just asking, I just wish God in an audible voice would say, do this dummy. Because we, we sit back and we, we have all these situations in life. And I don't think we feel any different as adults. Because we, we situations, circumstances, problems, relationships. And there's all these things that we, we come to in life that we have to make decisions on. And we, a lot of times, honestly, even as adults, we just don't know what the right answer is. And we're filling it out and we're praying and we're asking God and we're, we're seeking him on what we should do in various different things. And sometimes it seems like God doesn't even hear, like every prayer is just bouncing off the ceiling back down to you. And you're just like, man, I wish God in an audible voice would just say, just do this. And I would be more than happy if God would just speak. Well, the truth is, is that we need direction in everything that we do in life. I mean, when you think about it, none of us can tell the future. None of us are fortune tellers. We're not soothsayers. We're not wizards or anything like that. But we serve a God who has already wrote the end of the story. He knows everything. He, he sees the timeline from a totally different perspective than we do. You know, you're looking at the end in a straight line. He's looking at it from abroad. He can see the beginning. He can see the end. He sees everything. He wrote it. We serve a God who's more than able, more than able to give us directions, to give us answers. When you look and you read Scripture, so many times in the Bible, God prepares His people for future things. And so this morning, I think it's important that we understand 
God wants to give us direction. God wants to answer prayer. God wants to help us make decisions and do things. God wants us to glorify Him. He wants us to honor Him. And the truth is, if, if we were honest this morning, the reason why we're not really receiving these messages or guidance or answers from the Lord probably has more to do with us than it does with Him. Right? I mean, let's think about it. From a theological perspective... Everything that we need to be in a relationship and to be in communication with God has already been provided. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, right? He was resurrected from the grave, proven that we have eternal life. He ascended to heaven so that the Holy Spirit could come and empower us to do all the things that he did and even greater things than he did, which is kind of mind-blowing. That's a different sermon for a different day. But he goes and he sits at the right hand of our Father as our high priest, and he pleads on our behalf before the Father so that we can have constant communication with our Heavenly Father, that anything that we need, we can ask in the name of Jesus and those prayers will be answered. Maybe not necessarily according to how we want them to be answered, but God will answer those prayers according to His will and His way. Right? So we have everything we need to be in communication with God, and so many times we find ourselves feeling like there's no communication at all. Like we, have no, we can't hear from the Lord, we can't do this. So I have a really fascinating passage of Scripture for you today. It's really short. It's really simple. And it's one of those passages that we would probably just read over I've read over it a million times, never thought about it a whole lot, never felt like, man, that's, that's just super eye-opening or spiritually enlightening in any way. But with what we're talking about, I think it's a really cool passage. Let's read it. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. And it says, Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manaen, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Really short. Really simple, but let's look at it. Point number one. I think we really need to realize how fasting is a form of worship. And I want to talk about this today because we have to be really careful in how we approach our relationship with the Lord. And we really need to be careful about how we approach this idea of fasting and praying. Because if we're not careful... Many times we come to God with an agenda rather than just coming to God because He's God. Let me give you an example. How many of you got kids, teenagers in particular, or have had teenagers at some point in your life? How many of you have ever felt like your kids have not wanted anything to do with you, and they probably haven't even spoken to you in probably like two or three days? And then the first time that they come and speak to you is like, Hey, Mom, hey, Dad, can I have some money? Can I borrow the car? 
Can I do this? Can I do that? And then you feel like in that moment, my kids don't want anything to do with me until they want something from me. Right? Anybody ever feel like that? Yeah, we got, whoo, oh, she raised the roof back there. I hear you. I got you. And that's kind of annoying. And many of you probably have friends or family members or people who are the same way. Like you don't feel like you ever hear from them until they say, hey, hey, how you doing? Um, I was calling because I, I, I need this. And then they need something from you. That's the only time you ever hear from them. And that's annoying. Well, we are made in the image of God. God has given us the ability to feel emotions and things like that. I can guarantee you the attitude in which we pursue our Heavenly Father has a great impact on the way that He feels about us. And we have to be super careful because, number one, we are supposed to pray and fast. Like, it's in Scripture. It's beneficial. We read so many passages about how people did that, why they did that, the reasons and the benefits from it. We should be doing it. But we also have to be careful in not doing it only when we have an agenda. Does that make sense? So it's like we can pray and fast, but if you only pray and fast because, man, it's hit the fan in my life and I need an answer now, and so now I'm going to pray and fast. Not that you shouldn't, because you should. But if that's the only time you pray and fast, something's going on in your life. Because when you look at this passage... You look at these men who are leading the church, and I want, you to be, I want you to understand this now this morning, because there's a lot of people who claim to be Christians and claim to be followers of Christ, and we're just looking to get by with the bare minimum of what we have to do in order to be that. Like, I know that. I know that's one of the most common, um, most difficult things to address in the church, and it's one of the... It's one of the it's one of the things that hurts us as believers the most from, from convincing other people to become Christians. Because in anything you do, whether you're in business or you're on a team or anything that you do, you're going to have people who are completely committed to what they're doing. And then you're going to have some people who are just there to do the bare minimum to get by. And the people who are there who are completely committed, have you ever watched them try to work with somebody who's just barely doing what it takes to get by? It's like water and oil. They don't mix. It's super annoying, super frustrating. And the people who are there to just get by always cause more problems than what they're worth. Is that fair? Okay, so a lot of people are in Christianity to just do the bare minimum in order as I just want eternal life. I want to experience as much of the world and have as much money as I can and stuff and, and have the great life and get to heaven with as bare minimum as I have to sacrifice to the Lord. But the people who are committed, the people who are willing to sacrifice and give, are the ones that you generally see God working and moving in and doing these great things in. How many of you have ever been frustrated when something's been going on in your life, and you've been praying about something and you said you've asked God to give you an answer or speak to you or give you direction or something like that. And then there's nothing. And then all of a sudden you hear somebody stand up at church or they're saying, yeah, I prayed and God answered this prayer. It was the most wonderful thing. Or God spoke to me. He spoke to me so clearly. It was like an audible voice. And you're just like, well, well dang it. Why can't I get a message from the Lord? You know, it's like, and there's, there's a little bit of animosity in that. 
Because while you're struggling and you're fighting through and you're looking for an answer and somebody else says, the Lord just speaks to me so clearly, sometimes we have to take a step back and say, okay, if our God is the God that we read about in Scripture, and He's a God who's constantly delivering messages and giving people direction and callings in their life, and He's preparing people for the future and nations for the future, and He's doing all these amazing things throughout Scripture, and He's speaking to these people over here, why is He not speaking to me? Well, the biggest thing is you look at this passage right here. I mean, you have a whole church at Antioch, but in this moment, God only speaks to a certain few. And it just so happens to be these few men who are gathered together and they're worshiping and they're fasting and they're praying and they're not doing it for any reason. They're doing it because they're worshiping. They're wanting to give God His credit, His honor, His glory. And, and fasting and prayer, is one, it takes sacrifice in order to do that. It's kind of like this symbolic thing in your life that if you're willing to do it, chances are you're willing to sacrifice and give things in other areas of your life. And you look at these men and they're fasting and they're praying. And they're not doing it for a reason. There's no agenda in this moment. They are simply worshiping God. And how amazing is it that God up and says, commission Barnabas and Paul to do this work that I've done. He gives them a very clear message. What in almost seems like an audible voice like we would all love to have. And there's no agenda. They're not seeking for an answer from the Lord. They're just worshiping. And we need to see this morning that we have to be really careful in our lives that we're not just approaching God when we want something. Number one, that we're not just coming to church when something gets bad and then we need to clean it up when we want something. That we're not just praying the Bible when we're looking for the answer we're not, or reading the Bible. We're not just praying. We're not just start fasting whenever something happens. Because the truth is... I want to be really careful. All those things are good, and you should be doing all those things. And if it does hit the fan in your life, those are the exact things that you should go to. But it shouldn't be like that all the time. You with me? Like, it should be a regular practice in your life. Fasting and praying should not be irregular. It should not be something that you do every once in a while. It should be a regularity. It should be something that we as Christians do on a regular basis. Not that you do it all the time, every single day, because you know this. Anything that you do every single... Amen. No, um, no anything that you do on a regular basis, it, 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 loses, it loses its luster, it loses its significance, right? I mean, anything that you do, like even in marriage, if you do the same thing every single day, for 20 years, it's like that kind of it gets old. Like you gotta change things up, you gotta try new stuff, you gotta you gotta invest in it, right? Same thing happens in our relationship with the Lord. Fasting and prayer should be a regularity in our life. Not necessarily something that should be constant. You I mean, I'm not gonna say you shouldn't live in a constant state of fasting and prayer, but it should be regular. Okay? It should be a regularity. Because if we don't now you think about this. These men, they're fasting, they're praying, they're doing this as an act of worship. And in this midst, they receive a message from the Lord. And they weren't looking for it. There could be so many times in our life where God wants to give us message. He wants to give us direction. And we don't even know that we need it. But He wants to give it to us anyway. And He wants to give it to us before we need it. And if we are living in constant worship, 
in prayer and in fasting and doing those things that God's called us to do, we'll be prepared and ready to receive the message even though we don't even know that we need it. But we'll be ready for it. Because the truth is, is what happens is that most of us don't live in that state. And we're not pursuing Christ with everything that we have. And so then hard times come. And we need a message and we need an answer and we need direction in our life. And then we find ourselves in, in panic mode and we're scratching and clawing trying to get this answer all of a sudden. And we start fasting, we start praying, and then we're frustrated because it doesn't come as quickly as we would like for it to. And the truth is we're behind the eight ball. Or the worst thing is you just end up being that God wants to speak to you and you're not even listening, you're not even aware, you're not even like thinking that, oh, God has a message for me and I need to be listening. And he has to get you to a place where you're ready to receive it. And I don't know about y'all, I remember when I was 19, I was going through some health issues, like dealing with uh, some, some different stuff in my life. Um, had, to, had to leave school, do some medical treatments. Um, very frustrating time. Had no idea what was going on while this was happening. You know, I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, even though like, to the best of my ability at that time as a kid. And I remember just being really frustrated because nothing had worked out like I wanted it to. I was refusing to go back to college. If mama hadn't signed me up to go back to college, I would have never, probably never went back to college. I was ready to just like quit and like be done with everything. And I remember going to Charlotte to the convention in 2003 so we're in the convention center, and I've told you this story before. And I remember just laying on that concrete floor and just praying and just being like, God, I don't know what I'm doing, what I should do. Nothing that I've planned, nothing that I thought of that I was going to do has worked out. God, whatever you want from my life, whatever you want to do, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Like I was just finally in that position where God had to bring me to this point where he, start, he had to start taking things from my life. And it was extremely painful whenever he began to do it. And it was very frustrating. And during that whole time, I was praying and I was asking the Lord as I didn't really understand what was going on, very frustrated, and, and just never really felt like God ever spoke clearly through that. But I remember laying on that floor saying, God, whatever you want, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I'm just tired of being like this. I'm tired of feeling like this. And less than eight months later, I was down the road in part-time youth ministry back in college, and God worked it all out where like, eventually like I was in ministry. And it wasn't one of those things that God said, hey, I'm calling you to ministry, and I knew it at that time. I didn't necessarily know on that day when I was laying on that floor that I was surrendering to the call of ministry. I was just surrendering to the Lord. I was just like, God, whatever you want, I'll do it. I don't know what you want me to do, but I'll do it. And it was less than eight months later that all that fell into place. Exactly how God wanted it to. And the truth is, I wasn't in a spiritual state where I could receive a message that God said, I'm calling you to ministry. You need to be ready for it. But he had to put me in a place where I was ready to surrender. And so you got a choice this morning. And some of you may already be in a position where it's hit the fan and you're looking for an answer or you're seeking direction and you don't feel like God's answering your prayers and speaking to you. And so you already feel behind the eight ball. So you can be in that position or you can be in the position where God's got something for you and he's going to break you down to the point where you're ready to listen and submit to where he can finally speak and work and move in your life. Or 
you can just make seeking God a part of your daily life. And you can make things like fasting and prayer be a part of your daily life. To where you're seeking Him and you're surrendering to Him because chances are if you're willing to do it in those little ways like that and you're committing yourself to God, chances are when the big things come that God's calling us to sacrifice and do for Him, we're going to be willing to do that because we're going to be ready and prepared. I don't know about y'all, but the whole idea of being prepared and God speaking to me prior to the situations and the circumstances and the emergencies of life coming to be and God giving us messages and direction and, 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 and insight into what He's going to do in the future, that sounds a lot better than playing catch-up or going into emergency mode. How you feel about it? But the problem is, is that it, it costs us. We have to sacrifice in order to get there. we got to sacrifice time Effort. Any time that you fast, whatever it is that you're giving up forever, how long you're doing it, that costs you because you're giving that up in order to seek God. But the truth is that if we're willing to seek the Lord, and if we're doing this as a constant act of worship, God does speak. And you see that time and time again as people are praying and fasting. Point number two. When we fast and pray, God gives us direction. All right, so it's better to do it as an act of worship. It's better to receive it in advance, like Paul and Barnabas and all his companions did that day when they were fasting and praying. It's much better to receive it that way. But I do want to remind you that if you are going through something right now and you are questioning, you're seeking direction, you you just don't know what it is that you should do, Start fasting and praying now because God does answer and He does give direction. And it's something that we should do. Now, don't make it a habit to wait for bad times to come before you pray and fast. I mean, that was point number one. Make sure you're doing it in advance. But if you're there now, start praying and fasting. It's so important that we do what God calls us to do. And I challenge you as a believer in Jesus Christ to commit yourself to doing this. It's so important to follow the example of other believers and follow the example of the, of the spiritual examples that we have in Scripture. This is something that so many people in Scripture did. I, I can't think of hardly anybody in Scripture that we read about who did not participate in this. But when you commit yourself to this endeavor... Don't begin with the misunderstanding that God is going to work and move like that. Right? Because the truth is, God doesn't always answer prayer and answer us in the time that we would like for Him to do that. Most of the time, it takes a little while for God to work and move or us to see the results of God working and moving. So, think about this. Anybody ever remember sitting in school? And they torture you in school. Like, I really believe, I was, I'm a certified teacher, I went to school. I believe that people in education have set it up to torture you as children. Because they put the clock at the very front. You know, here, we put the clock in the back. I can see the clock, y'all can't see the clock. I get to see the clock. But in school, they put the clock at the front. So you get to stare at it all darn day. And while you're staring at that clock, how fast does time go? It just oozes. 
Like you could watch a sundial and there would be no difference. I mean, it's like it is the worst thing in the world. You can watch that clock all day long and it moves so incredibly slow. And while you're focused on that, because it's like it's a point of focus, and while you're focused on it, it drags out forever. And I'm going to tell you something. Now, God never, I won't say never, most of the time, does not answer in the time frame that we would like to have. But I also want to remind you that we're also looking at it from the perspective that whatever it is that's going on in our life that we're seeking direction and answers in is a focal point of our life. And the more that we stare at it and the more that we focus on it, the more that it just drags by of the realization that it's not being fixed. Right? And so the amount of time that it takes for the Lord to answer may seem much longer than it really is because we're focused on it rather than focused on just serving the Lord and doing what He's called us to do and going about our daily lives until the Lord decides to answer. Satan will want you in this time frame to be frustrated, to give up, to quit, to stop fasting, He will want to make you doubt. And the truth is, is that you have to go into this attitude of fasting and praying when you're seeking direction from the Lord with this attitude that, God, I'm going to do this until you give me an answer. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to waver. It does not matter if it's a day, if it's weeks, if it's months, if it's years, if it's decades. I'm not going to give up, and I'm going to keep doing it until I receive the answer from you that I'm looking for. That's really important. Because if you go in with the attitude of, God, I'm going to do this, and then God doesn't answer it in the time that you think it should be answered in, and then you just get mad and you give up and quit, you can't expect to receive anything if you lose faith in the middle of it. Our whole relationship with God is tied specifically on faith. We have to believe. And so as you go into this, you need to understand that you're in it for the long haul. That you believe in Christ, you trust in Him, you trust in the power of God, you trust that if you fast and if you pray, no matter how long it takes, that God's going to be faithful to do His part. And you remind yourself of passages of Scripture of, God gave them a message when they wasn't even looking for one when they were praying and fasting. God gave people messages of things that were going to happen not only to Joseph, not only to Pharaoh and Joseph seven years in advance, but he also gave messages to prophets that the Messiah was going to come 400 years, 700 years in advance before it was ever going to happen. And that while there were people who were praying and fasting and looking, they were praying and fasting their whole life. You think about Anna, the prophet, who was in the temple and she fasted and prayed. It says all day long she was an old woman and all she did was fast and pray all day long. And she was one of two who were in the temple and ready and waiting to hold the baby Messiah in their arms. And she did it her whole life before she got to see him. And you look at Scripture, and you look at people who are willing to do it. God was always faithful. Sometimes it happened sooner than others. Sometimes it took a lot longer than others. We have to be faithful. And one of my favorite passages about prayers in Daniel chapter 10, 
Because as we're fasting, as we're praying and we're doing this, you know, we don't always understand what's going on behind the scenes. You know, we have to remind ourselves that we live in a physical world. We, we live in a physical world where we touch, we feel, we taste, we smell, we hear. And there's all these things that our senses are drawn to. And we get so focused on what's going on right now. And we forget so many times that there is an eternal place. There, there's heavenly realms. There's a spiritual realm that you and I cannot see. And in Daniel chapter 10, I'm going to read several verses. We're going to start with verses 1 through 6 first. Great example of passage where someone begins to pray, where Daniel begins to pray, and his prayers are answered immediately. But it said, In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. And he understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time, I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. So he's, he's fasting, he's in prayer, he's received a message from the Lord, but he doesn't know what it means. All right? So he's received a message, but doesn't know the meaning, which is probably more frustrating than just not receiving a message at all. Verse 4. On April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing. With a belt of pure gold around his waist, his body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like the vast multitude of people. Let's skip to verse 11. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God, so listen carefully to what I have to say to you. That'd be awesome to hear, right? Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. Then he said to me, Don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding. And to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. And once again, you have this amazing example of this godly man who's still engaging in prayer. He's still engaging in this act of fasting, and he's seeking the Lord, and he's received a message, but he doesn't know what the message means. And it's amazing that Daniel would have never known that there was this spiritual battle going on between this angel who was coming to give him the answer to his, to his vision of what he had seen, his answered prayer, and this spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. He would have never known that that was going on. All he knew is, is for like three weeks, he's been fasting and praying and mourning because he knows what he has seen is sad, and he's waiting for a message from the Lord in direction on what it means. But the amazing thing is, is that this angel comes and says, look, man, from day one, from day one, God heard you. And he sent me to answer your prayers, and I've been tied up, and I've been trying to get here, and I'm here now. And you and I need to understand this morning that as we pray, as we fast, as we seek God's face, as we seek direction and answer to prayers and things like that, 
You and I have no idea what's going on in the realm, the spiritual realms that you and I cannot see. We have no idea what's going on keeping from that prayer just being a second away from reaching us for the answer, for, for, for the remedy of what it is that we need from being present in that moment. You and I have no idea how close we are to receiving it. And what would have happened if Daniel would have just like, dude, I'm like 70-something years old. I've been in captivity my whole life. I'm tired of waiting on messages from the Lord. I'm tired of doing this. I'm just going get, to just get frustrated and just give up and quit. And he would have never received the message. He would have never known what was going on behind the scenes. And if you and I give up, and if we give in to the temptation of losing faith and just throwing the towel in, we'll never know what we miss from the Lord. And the truth is, this morning, that if we're not fasting and praying regularly, we really never know what we're missing anyway. We never know all the messages that God would want to give us, all the things, all the ways that He would want to lead us, and all the callings He might have on our life if we were doing everything that He wanted us to do. This morning you may have already been praying about something, and you may already be fasting, and I just want to challenge you, do not give up. Don't give up. There are things in my life, I can tell you, there are things in my life I've prayed years about, decades about, and God has eventually answered those things in due time and in His time. And I can tell you, when He got ready to answer those prayers and He did that stuff, some of those things are really important. Some of them weren't that important. Some of them were kind of stuff that if they never happened, it wouldn't have been a big deal to never would have affected my faith at all. But there have been things in my life that I've prayed about for decades and God just like, work it out in amazing ways. And if we will stay committed and keep praying and surrender ourselves to the Lord, I think we would be amazed at how many times He would speak to us and give us a message, but also give us a message in preparation for stuff so that we're not just constantly behind the eight ball. Point number three, and this is my favorite part, is that the fasting didn't end once the message was received. I think that's really important. You know, as a culture, we're kind of conditioned as people that if we have a problem, if we have something that's going on in a situation, we look for an answer, we look for a solution, and once the problem is solved or we have the answer, we move on to the next thing. We quit, we pack up, we move on. We go solve the next problem. What's really cool in this passage is, is that, number one, they weren't seeking a message anyway. They were just fasting and praying because they were in a time of worship. All right? But they receive a message. But you got to notice that even after they receive the message, the fasting and praying doesn't stop. Look back at verse 3. It says, so after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So once they got the message, they continued to fast and pray. They didn't just stop because they finally received something. They continued in worshiping until they felt or was led to their time of worshiping to be done. And that's so important. Not to just have this idea of, okay, we're supposed to do this, we, we're supposed to do this and do that, and, and we have these things that are set up, and once we get them accomplished and once we do that, we're done and we move on to the next thing. 
Because you look at it, it's like, I mean, that's kind of how church is. It's like we come on Sunday morning, we know we're supposed to do it. Once it's done, it's done, we move on, we go on to the next thing. And guys, I'm telling you, as important as I believe that church is, it's not enough. Like Sunday mornings, like, I mean, so many people are like, well, you don't have to go Sunday morning to be a Christian. And I'm just like, dude, I don't even know how, I don't even know how you're a Christian if Sunday mornings are a problem. I mean, like, in all honesty, because it's like, because Sunday morning is like one of the least important things that we do. Like, it's important. I think it makes us better Christians. It causes us to, to be held accountable by our fellow believers. And we, we get teaching and, and inspiration, and we realize that our brothers and sisters are struggling in those moments so we can pray for them. And we also realize that God is working and moving in this area, and it gives us hope that He can do it in our lives. And it has so many beneficial things. But Sunday morning is one of the least important things that we do as believers. And you have to understand that like, it's not just a matter of you just do this one thing, and when it's done, then you're done. No, it's like being a Christian is something that is it's all the time. It's not a slight switch. You can't just turn it on and turn it off. It's like, oh, I'm walking into church. Flip the switch on and we'll be a Christian. And then you turn it off and it's like, now I'm so-and-so of the world. It's like, it doesn't work like that. You look at these men. And you have to ask yourself, what do I want my relationship with God to look like? Do I just want to make it in by the skin of my teeth? I just want to do the bare minimum. Or do I want to be somebody that has a really strong relationship with the Lord to be spiritually mature so that when you stand before God in heaven one day, that you don't actually like get scared thinking about it? Because I know like there's a lot of people who say, well, you know, I, I want to go to heaven. I'm just not super excited about it. Like the idea of standing before our maker like terrifies a lot of people who claim to be Christians. And the truth is, the closer you are to God, you begin to get a little more excited about it. You begin to look forward to it a little more. And that's kind of weird to think about, but it's true. And when you read the New Testament and you look at all the people in the New Testament who were followers of Christ, they sped up their process to get to the Lord. Like, they didn't purposefully seek death in the people in Scripture, but they lived their life in a way in service of Christ where it literally sped up their meeting God face to face. And they weren't scared, which baffles me. The fasting and the praying and the worship doesn't just end. It continues on. It should be a part of our everyday life. I mean, I can't tell you how many times in my life where I've spent nights praying and days praying and fasting and stuff, and then the Lord will answer that prayer that I've been praying about and things. And then as soon as it's answered, I'm just like, okay, I'm done. Like, I'm like, all right, cool, awesome. Like, God answered a prayer, and we, we give a praise report, and we say, yeah, man, Lord answered prayer is really good. And we just quit, and we move on, and don't even think about prayer and fasting again until, you know, something else comes up. And we're all guilty of it. But the truth is, is like, we should be doing it in advance, and it should never stop. We shouldn't just stop whenever we get the answer. You know, we wonder why we don't hear from the Lord we wonder why we don't feel we just we don't have any power and authority in our spiritual lives. 
the truth is like we're probably more disconnected from the Lord than we would like to admit. Everything's there for us to have that great relationship with God. Everything's there for us to have the power and authority. And we have to ask the question and be big enough boys and be big enough girls to say, well, why is that not in my life? You look at everybody in Scripture. All the people who were prophesying, all the people who were performing miracles, all those things. It's like God was working and moving through people who were seeking His face and opening themselves up to Him. And the question is whether or not we will. Don't let yourselves get behind the eight ball. You know, if you look at Jesus and the most perfect example. And one of the most fascinating things about Christ is, is that, you know, John the Baptist and his disciples, they came to Jesus one time and they asked him and said, Jesus, why don't you and your disciples fast and pray like we do? And Jesus kind of gives them this explanation of, well, you know, the, the groomsman and the groom doesn't fast like at the wedding. It's like it's a time for celebration. And so he was kind of communicating that while the Messiah was here and he was among us and he was performing miracles and healing people and doing all these things, there was a time for celebration, not a time of fasting and prayer. But the truth is, is that Jesus had already done his fasting and praying. You know, you got to decide this morning about whether or not you want to be behind the eight ball as a Christian. If you want to spend your entire spiritual life behind the eight ball. I don't know if you've ever shot pool before. It's usually a bad thing to talk about in church. But it's a good analogy. Because if you're stuck behind the eight ball, you're in a hard spot. You're not supposed to touch the eight ball. It's not supposed to move. And if you strike it, like it's a strike, and then you set your opponent up for a much better shot. But if you're behind the eight ball... You're always playing catch-up. You're always at a disadvantage. And you got to decide this morning as a Christian if, if you want to live your whole life at a disadvantage. Like if you're living at a spiritual disadvantage, you're always behind. You don't always feel like you have the same opportunities or the same messages or the same feeling or the same relationship with God as, as other people around you do. And you look at Jesus and you say, okay, well, what did Jesus do? Well, he spent the first 30 years of his life preparing for his three years of ministry. When you see Jesus in the New Testament, you see someone who's quoting the entirety of the Old Testament by memory. He knew God's word front to back, like the back of his hand. You look at Jesus and, and he did his time of fasting and prayer. He did 40 days in the wilderness with no food and no water as Satan tempted him in various different ways. And whenever he come out of his time of fasting and prayer, that's when his ministry began. Because Jesus did his in preparation of what was to come. Paul and Barnabas and the other ones, they were fasting and praying as a form of worship, and God gives them a message prior to what is to come. 
And so you make a decision this morning. Am I going to do this? Am I going to live my Christian life? Am I going to make a choice this morning where I'm going to live in such a way that my relationship with God, where God is preparing me for what's to come and I'm ahead of the game and I'm, I'm living a thriving Christian life and I'm living an effective Christian life and my life is ministering and having an effect on other people to live positively in the name of Christ? Or am I just going to live the rest of my life being behind the eight ball? And when it hits the fan, I'm going to pray and fast. And whenever situations come up, I'm going to seek direction from the Lord. And I'm going to wait on God to speak to me later on after stuff is already going on. Or am I going to be prepared? Because you look at all the people in the scriptures, all the people who loved God and sought after Him, they were always prepared. Doesn't mean life was perfect, doesn't mean life was easy for them but they were always prepared. They knew exactly what God was doing, where God was going, and what God was accomplishing. And they were a part of that plan. Everybody else who wasn't doing that wasn't. And you got to make a decision this morning. Are you going to live your life in preparation for what's to come, what God wants to do, or are you going to live your life behind the eight ball? I hope and pray that you commit yourselves to a life of worship, of fasting and prayer. Because if you do, I truly believe life will be a lot easier and God will speak to you and use you in much greater ways than you could ever think or imagine. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for another beautiful day, for the opportunity to come and worship you. And I ask, Lord, that you would speak into our hearts and lives, that you would work and move, that you would use us as individuals to be surrendered vessels, to seek your face, to worship, to commit our lives to fasting and prayer so that we can serve you and communicate with you and be the men and women you've called us to be. We love you. We thank you and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.